this is a huge amount of power in the hands of interior designers, because I think the interiors is actually something that people experience very closely and have an emotional connection with. Yeah. But also it's always intransient. So when people move from building to building, they want to put their own stamp. They don't change the whole building, but they change the interior. The world around us is changing rapidly. We know that. But our profession, our working method isn't. And that's why, unfortunately, our profession is often, and especially for the outside world, too much about trends these days, fast trends, about consumerism, about, let's say, buying happiness, while it should be about sustainability, a higher purpose, and the long term. Listen, please do know we are an important shackle as creatives. As designers, we are in the middle of a chain. On one hand, we have our clients, the consumers. And on the other hand, we have the producers, the manufacturers. And the good news is we can influence both. We have the power because we are in the middle of it. To advise and to educate them both. So to increase the demand for sustainable, healthy products, we can create a positive change. And if we take good care of the planet, the reward is big. The planet will take care of us. But all these labels, concepts, works like eco-friendly, sustainable, durable, circularity, green, what does it mean? I mean, really? For a long time, I was searching for an absolute expert on this topic, a sustainability expert, someone who not only talks about sustainability, but actually has a solution, who's taking action every single day, someone who has created something that you can measure and know for sure if you are designing future-proof. And that someone is Ankita Dvivedi. She deserves the spotlight. Ankita led architecture and design firms for top Fortune 100 firms projects across the globe for 20 years, but decided to leave the business as usual behind. She had a bigger purpose, a bigger calling to set up the organization, the platform First Planet. Ankita devoted herself to transform the industry by breaking down its traditional walls and helping to embrace change. So, definitely another podcast episode of the World Beyond the Terror Design. A welcome to you all. And of course, to our guest of today, I'm excited and happy to have her, Ankita Duivedi. Thanks, Mark. And uh, really nice to meet you all. I'm very excited to share what I have been doing for a very long time and more recently as well. Yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely uh, great to have you. But um, to be Honest with you, I'm uh, pretty sure uh, people will recognize this too. I'm a designer, I love nature, and I care a great deal about Mother Earth. So sustainable thinking, yes, think so. But in practice, the how? Well, I don't know. At least I do not enough, and then I don't like that. I know I can do more, but how? So glad you're here. <laughs> Where no, do we absolutely. Start? Where I mean... Do you know what I really love about, uh, you know, what you're doing and and the setup here is is essentially empowerment. And empowerment is a very essential part of helping people even, you know, sort of join us on this journey of this transition that sort of awaits us, right? Our construction industry, we know is hugely polluting. You know, we know that about 40% of CO2 emissions result from building industry, you know, at all scales. And if you just look at the stats, right, I'll give you some stats just to start with. Just in the UK, you know, I'm from London, just in the UK, you know, about 3 million professionals, you know, in the construction industry. That's everybody from designers to like contractors and, you know, all sorts of people, subcontractors that are working on site. You know, they use 300 million tons of building materials and products every year. So whether or not, you know, you design a building or you sketch it up or it's a great design or not, every building project uses materials and products. And and the number of projects is astounding. It's about 12 million projects per year in the UK. If you imagine it's 63 million people and and 12 million projects. But the most important part of that is that about 80 percent of this is very small scale projects. Right. And a lot of them are interiors projects, which means it's little and often. 
right? It's little bits that is happening and at a massive scale. Now, this is a huge amount of power in the hands of interior designers because I think the interiors is actually something that people experience very closely and have an emotional connection with. Yeah. But also it's always intransient. So when people move from building to building, they want to put their own stamp. They don't change the whole building, but they change the interiors. So, so I think the first thing is to understand the scale of power that interior designers have, which is massive. Um, but also, I think equally the scale of influence and the opportunity to change is also in the hands of interior designers. So I think the first thing is to understand that it's not about we, you know, we don't really, we're doing small scale projects. It doesn't really matter. It is a collective action of the, the whole community that will really, really transform what people are making, what people are choosing, how people are building, what's happening to stuff afterwards. And and that is that is that is real power. So uh, yeah. when you said you know um, about you know designers drawing, uh, you know not understanding that the lines that they're drawn on pieces of paper are, are hugely significant, and not just significant because it's a way. It, it's not necessarily a reminder that you're not doing enough. It is a reminder that you can do a lot with that. Right? You can do a lot with that. That you can actually transform the way a wall is is seen forever right it's like what is this you know so i think the first thing is to understand that there is power there that there yeah. is ability to influence yeah you had a, you had a really nice quote we were, we were using it in our social media this week eh? it all starts with understanding the power and significance of that one line we draw on a piece of paper and that, that that was really scary, actually. <laughs> you said it, so it, it really I, I felt it. I was like, it is every yeah. every line means a lot in the construction process, in the creation, in the makeovers, and we think we are just doing this small project, like you said, maybe just one changing one room. But if you see all the cars coming on the driveway and the constructors and the demo, and the demolishers and the all the producers and and all the packages that are entering the building for just the bathroom, you're like, okay, yeah, no, absolutely, and and I think what we forget is that those lines will use up resources that have been there for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. They will use a huge amount of labor and effort to put it together, and then they will live beyond us and also the people who are paying for it. You know, and so it sort of extends, you know, it connects past, present, future in a way that even we don't fully understand it. You know, my background is, of course, also design and architecture. And I worked in the space as a designer for many years. I've worked in many interiors projects and architectural projects. So I fully understand the speed at which things need to be done, the complexity that needs to be considered in every project, the demands that are, uh, you know, that are put upon designers, you know, create experiences, create memories, create, solve a spatial problem. It has to be functional. It has to work well. Um, and it's 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 never ending. But equally, that's the joy of the job as well, because all of that relies upon our thinking and our doing and our you know collective action in a way right we're moving that we we are helping people create um memories and and experiences right comfort um and so adding this this sort of thinking around well sustainability isn't about a a, a checklist you know a box that you take and you've done it is actually fully embedded in everything that you do it's just a part of your thinking right and that has been sort of uh, the basis of all my work for many many years is is helping designers and non-technical people understand that that is that is an interwoven thing and there's ways of thinking you know there's certain things that you can do while you're working that you can embed that thinking in the process so you can't change outcomes if you change, don't change processes right so that's pretty clear if you don't change the machine you're not going to have a different product yeah the input right so yeah. i think the first thing is to look at the process and the kinds of questions that we ask of ourselves 
and ask our clients to think about, right? So there's, there's a set of things that we can do early, early, early in the process. So I can talk a little bit about that, but Mark, you yeah. you drive the you drive um, the conversation, and I'll 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 bite the <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, but I, I yeah I know you have some really good questions, and they're new for me. So you just you just told me like I I would like to tell uh, to share that uh, with with your audience and say yeah well great. So uh, but uh, for before we go because there is a what 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 is the danger? What what is the who is the enemy of sustainability? Because interior design. Hey, you can see it as a need, or is it, or is it fashion? What, what is it? So that that's really we have all this consumerism. We have we are jumping from trend to trend, and how do you see? How do see, you how see do you interior, handle with that? Yeah, yeah. See, interior designers are always solving. Any designer is solving a problem. You know, any innovation is solving a problem, right? The big problem that we have have is we have m- problems at many scales at many times right? So if you imagine anything that we do has an impact, right? So the impact could be negative, it could be positive. Generally, the goal of designers is positive impact, right? And you try to see where, who are we impacting? Generally, you try and see, well, we want to impact the people who are paying for this, right? Our customers. Yeah. Sometimes we tend to think, okay, it's not just the immediate customers, it's the people around the customer as well. So you might think a little bit outside in the neighborhood, okay, how does this influence that? But if you fundamentally look at it, if you're solving a problem, every everything that we do impacts us as, as at four main scales, as, as I see it, at the level of, of course, the human being right? Their health, their well-being, psychological, physical, mental, which involves everything from function to experience. There's a great focus on it. Yeah, there's a great focus on that nowadays, is it? Yeah, absolutely. And that is really important, right? So psychological health, physical health, mental health, space problem, all of those are health experience, human related, right? So that customer or that person or their family or their employees themselves, right? Their bodies, Beyond that is their pocket, right? We think of their pocket as like money, right? How mm-hmm. much are we are they spending? Is it long term? Does it solve a financial problem for them, right? Does it give them financial gain long term? There's all sorts of things financially. So that's like person and their pocket. But beyond that, beyond the boundary of that that physical sort of realm, we have people. So the neighborhood or the society or the community, right? So that anything that you do in the small scale has an influence on that scale. And then ultimately, all of that aggregates and becomes an influence at the planetary scale. So every decision that we make actually influences us at four scales. So you could say the level of the environment, society, our health, the individual health, and money, right? And whether or not we're thinking about it, it's happening, right? So it's happening automatically. That line that we draw on a piece of paper is doing that. Yeah, you cannot ignore the side effects. Yeah, no. it's it's influencing at all four skills automatically, right? So if you think of like the smartest AI that's like telling you that's what's happening immediately, right? The thing is for us to tap into it a little bit more and maybe just broaden our set of questions and parameters. And it's not necessarily uh, something that should take a lot of time. And that's what that's what I'm working on to make it very easy for people. But, you know, there's, there's, there's broadly... A few questions that you can ask yourself, right? To, so, understand, to understand the consequences of your yeah, of to, to understand the consequences, or also, I would say, putting a more positive spin on it, to understand the opportunities. All right, right. Yeah. So, so we have an opportunity to create positive impact or influence at all those scales because anything we do is anyway influencing all those scales. Right. Cool. So how much positivity can we create in any of those areas? So, for example, normally we think in how little money can we create the best experience. Right. So we're thinking yeah. about two scales. Now, usually you would think that, you know, others, maybe in government or policy are really good at thinking of like planetary scale. Let's reduce your two missions and let's help communities. They can't think of experience and, and sort of pockets as much. But again, it's for all of us to sort of whatever our area of influence is to extend it a little bit in other other scales in other areas because those are opportunities and if you're able to tap those opportunities and bring them to the table 
it is a joy and delight for everyone, right? I think yeah, you can create people, more impact. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think everybody now, and I think especially people in the Western world, are you know informed enough, rich enough, influential enough to care about these things. I think most people do care. Some people may have slightly different goals. Some may care more about their health. Some may care more about their money. Some may care a lot about the environment. Some may care a lot about the community. But the the thing is that everybody wants positive impact, right? And yeah. and in a way, we can tap into that. We can pull them into thinking about positive impact in other scales through any one of their primary motivators, right? So, for example, if somebody really cares about the environment, we can also engage them in the health agenda. If somebody really care, cares about their their physical, you know, we want a healthy home or we want a healthy office, we can also talk about planetary health, right? So so if we as designers are empowered, we can help empower other people to think of the influence of their decisions across scales, right? In a reasonable sort of way, not like saying we have to be the best in every area, but it is to be aware of it and to consider it and Bringing it, bring it into the fold of complexity that we deal with. And actually what you will find is that a lot of decisions, a lot of complicated decisions that we need to make will become a lot clearer as a result of plugging into some of the bigger goals uh, that, that basically, in a way, create positive impact beyond that immediate investment. It's it's kind of this this mindfulness in a way, right? So if you if you were to sort of tap into that sort of um, an analogy, you could say it is kind of mindful design, but it doesn't have to be that terminology, right? People may or may not engage with that kind of terminology, but the key thing is to understand that those influences are happening. Yeah. Right. So. So there's ways of thinking about it. Well, and, to, to interrupt you, if people yeah. have any questions and you're joining us live right now, you can uh, put them in the chat at the end. If you stick to the end, uh, we have, uh, well, Ankita has a special gift for you as well. Uh, and um, you have a chance for the for a Q&A session to ask your own uh, questions. So uh, please put them in the chat and uh, then we can uh, we, we will continue with the conversation right now. Ankita, yes. Yes. So, so Mark, just just again summarizing all of that uh, is basically saying those things are happening. How do we as designers tap into it? Right. So that's kind of yeah. the primary question. And and again, you know, there is a lot of complexity taken. So if you actually think of everything in isolation, there is a lot to think about. Right. Ooh, how do we reduce waste? How do we reduce carbon? How do we you know, by local, there's so many different streams. And, yeah, and then you're yeah. blocking, right? Then if, if if I think about all these kind of topics and I'm like, how do I solve this on my own? What, what yes. What's my first step to get there? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So. exactly. And I, and I think there's a lot, right? And I think, and, and, and I have a theory about it. I think it's because it's so much the responsibility kind of lies with everyone and no one, right? So everybody feels dumped with responsibility, but inability to take action at the same yeah, time. And, and who do who do we blame for exactly. this? Exactly. And then it's like either we fully blame ourselves or we don't take any blame, right? So it's always all or nothing mentality. And that's what, kind what, of what yeah. I'm really against, right? I'm really against this all or nothing mentality because it's really a roadblock for, for thought and innovation and better decision making because there is no perfect solution there is no perfect product there is no perfect concept there is no perfect building right it all depends on what is happening where it's happening who's building it and what the project is and what the opportunities on that project were right so you can't say a skyscraper is green and a hut is green they had completely different parameters right? And and you can't say this is a gold and this is a gold. Like the gold within the framework of what that was, and this is good in the framework of what this was, right? So, so are you telling, are, are you telling us, yeah, yeah, are you telling us that you have to take care of your own expertise, your own field, your own small part in the whole? Absolutely. So I think it's about reducing the noise and not feeling burdened by yeah. the responsibility, but by feeling excited about the opportunities. Right. And 
every project has its set of parameters and its set of opportunities. Now, what I, uh, so Jen, you can say, okay, what are the areas of influence for a designer, right? The areas that actually a designer can really influence. It is, of course, how the space is put together, right? It is, of course, what you choose, how you, how it's made and how it's detailed. Um, but what I would say Without the framework, say say you're not going for a green building, right? Nobody's telling you to do a green building. You don't have a lead, Briam, well, whatever certification to meet. Nobody's asking you for anything. How, what are the ways in which you can conceptually think about, you know, designing or laying out your plans that'll help get you to think sustainably in a fundamental way, right? So I have five five key points for you to take away, right? Great. So Mark, I'm gonna I'm gonna dump these points and then we can we can talk about these briefly. But I just yeah. want to talk about conceptually how you need how you could think to to build some of that into your your daily activity, right? So every project you can empower yourself. You can also take these questions to your clients. You can take it to your teams, but I would encourage you to take these on board on every project that you're doing, right? So like for it. example, yeah, the first question, and it's a fundamental question to ask for interior designers is, are we building a shed or are we building a pyramid, right? What does that mean? Is this project going to last two years, three years, four years? Is it going to last a thousand years? And the reason for that is that if it is a short-term project, if the experience is being built for short-term, you should use products and materials and systems and methods that are either super, super easy to uninstall or super, super degradable or super, super renewable. If you're building something for a thousand years, the conceptually, you will use materials that are quite energy intensive, that are durable that potentially are also versatile, that are that easy to maintain and replace. And it's a fundamentally different way of building and thinking, a very important part. And I would encourage you to ask your clients that as well. Now, sometimes what happens is in a project, you will find that different building elements will either be sheds or pyramids, right? So you yep. would say the foundation of something or a structural wall is a pyramid. And you can say, well, actually, you know, this space, this office space is leased only for five years, right? It's not a long time. Why do we need to put in stone flooring here, right? This is not going to be something that's going to be ripped out after some time. Or if you're doing like porcelain tiles, how are we actually going to replace that, right? So it's a fundamental question. In retail, this happens a lot, right? Retail has high churn. It things very expensive materials, very, very high embodied energy process materials, or even very rare natural stones, woods go in, and then they're ripped out, right? So yep. luxury and design aesthetics and trends are set by you guys. You can make anything look good. That's <laughs> not the point here, right? Yes. Yes. You can make anything look good. good you tell yeah. people what good looks like. Right. And, and that is a fundamental premise. Right. So the first thing is, is it a shed or a pyramid? Either the whole project or different parts within a building. You can even break that down. It's important question. The next two, number two, is 2.4 by 1.2. Now, this is a ratio of most boards. It is a tatami mat. When we build with furniture, we don't think of chopping a furniture. Right. But we think nothing of taking a building material and chopping it up and making it fit into what we need. And that creates a huge amount of waste, right? If we were to think of a module, of a material as a module, and we respect that module, and we find the right module for the right job, it's a really important part. Also, when you think of those you know, modules, these modules and versatile materials can be then taken out and used elsewhere. So modularity is a really, really important part, especially in interiors, because again, the churn can be quite fast. And also the movability and changeability and replaceability of things is really important. So 2.4 by 1.2, again, important question. I mean, it's a number, but it could be anything. Respect the sizes that things come in and build with those sizes. And again, it depends on the detailing, right? 
Now, if you have a room, you can always detail it in a way that there's no offcuts, there's no rubbish, there's no waste. You design with that in mind. Sometimes the larger the tiles we have, the bigger the panels we have, the less seams that we want in things, mm-hmm. the more offcuts it creates because you can't actually fit it if there's something wrong. So there's a way of detailing that will then reduce waste. It'll be designed for disassembly. They're fundamentals of sustainability. Now, this is a joy to work with, right? It's it's a problem to solve. It's not like a burden of sustainability or carbon. The other thing is, I love to say this, is reclaim, reuse, reclaim, reuse. So again, reclaim, reuse, reclaim, reuse. So it's not just about reclaiming something once. It's about reclaiming something that can then be reused afterwards as well. And then again, reclaiming something that can be reused afterwards. And it's a cycle of that. And of course, you wherever there is a potential for that, it should be introduced. Whether it is 10% of a project, 20% of a project, 30% of a project, up to you. But there's so many creative opportunities with that. And there's such great examples, especially, you know, in Europe, especially, you know, if you look at super use, there's so many inspirational things where you can take complete waste of something. You know, I've seen facades made out of orange crates. I've seen playgrounds made out of, you know, um, you know, with the, these uh, uh, windmill wings, you can, you can. There's never-ending creativity. I mean, no, there's all this, all this plastic from the plastic soup, the fishnets. I saw, yeah, there's, uh, yeah, there's furniture chairs with ways yeah. of using yeah. components as themselves, not expecting them to be recycled by someone else and then we reuse it. It's finding these these products and creating with them in mind. And then Again, we have it's this a creative process. It then is we have this enemy, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Then, then we have this. Then we have this. This enemy of budget because most of the most of the time the most sustainable chairs. Well, let's. If you have last time I saw an award-winning sustainable chair, was great. All made of the plastic soup and whatever, all kinds of plastic, but locally, uh, locally, uh, a local source of the plastic. And but the chair was three hundred euros. A piece. So, if you have a dining table with eight chairs, well, count count with me. If you have to choose a chair for maybe fifty euros on a on a on a, on a boulevard on a on a shopping mall, that's a problem. But I was I I had the same conversation with the guy of this chair. I said, why is it so expensive then? And he said, just one answer: the demand is too low for this, and there are way too less producers and manufacturers of these projects so you have a, an important job as a designer if you increase the demand for those projects the price will lower and you have more of these kind of more of these products on the market and you can design way more sustainable and healthy so no absolutely and that's kind of where i'm going with all of this is <clears throat> This kind of design thinking ultimately leads, if you will, if you actually dive deeper, will ultimately lead you to certain questions. And those are the questions we're asking and trying to answer through First Planet as well. But conceptually, these are the things that are really important that only you can do, right? A manufacturer cannot ask these questions. They cannot actually find you know, whether their material is right for the client or for the project or for that particular concept, right? It is only something that you guys can do, right? And therefore, these things are really important. When so you, you said that the, the, design, the designer or the architect or the, the, the creator, they know the parameters, how to measure if it's a really sustainable project. Because if you if you can take a recycled chair and you you, you uh, order it in uh, Australia and you're living in uh, on the other side of the world, it's not sustainable anymore. That's what well, you mean. Well, again, the, the question of sustainability as well, you know, there's so many ways to look at it. And Mark, I'll, I will answer your your that question that you've just raised because it's a very, very important one. And actually it's, it's, it's these dilemmas that we have. Like, are we, if we do this, then it's not sustainable. If we do that, it's not sustainable. And it's different for different people, right? So I'll I'll address that. I, I've all right, all right. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you three other points that I have. So you know, just repeating: shadow pyramid, two point four by one point two, recycle, reuse, recycle, reuse. Then the third thing, the fourth thing, is really you know life beyond life. So design for disassembly, super important, right? 
how we put these things together. Now, if you're fundamentally thinking of the things I told you before, you know, shed or pyramid, you're building in modules and you're thinking of reusing something and working with it, design for disassembly will automatically fall into place because you will know that it comes in modules. You will know that this is something that's either degradable rapidly or it's very durable. And you will know whether you want to reuse it later or not. And you will then, then think about it that, okay, I'm buying it fresh now. I'm buying a virgin material. I want to make sure that this material is reusable after this project, which is maybe lasts 20 years. What happens to it? Uh, so using screws instead of glues, using new ways and creating new ways of clipping and binding and tying things together, not necessarily gluing and fusing things together. Yep. Really, really important part of design, right? So product designers know that, you know, but interior designers as well. If there are things that are coming together, how can they be separated out? <clears throat> can we keep it clean enough, right? Very, very important part. <clears throat> and the last thing, number five, is looking around the corner. And what do I mean by that? Looking around the corner basically means that there's new technologies that are coming up. There's new systems that are coming up. I'm talking about things like fancy 3D printing. I'm talking about really cool robotics that can really look at parametric design in a fundamental way. Now, why is that linked to sustainability? Not necessarily because they're cool and they're, they're efficient, they still use energy, but because these new systems can take traditional products and configure them in new ways, in a repetitive way that becomes very interesting and very engaging. So you can basically use, and there's lots of examples of this. I think BIG did a pavilion with like a single, so you can use modular pieces and you can repeat yep. them in interesting ways. You can look at, you know, using offcuts of wood and assemble them in interesting ways. You can create walls, you can create screens, you can create different, different experiences by new technologies, but traditional materials. It may not be concrete fused together. It may not be some of these things. But the modularization and basically the, you know, the ability for something to be parametrically, parametrically designed is very powerful combination. So I would say utilize those things because they will fundamentally drive you to thinking sustainable, sustainably. You know, they will think they will get you outside that box of I've just drawn this. Somebody else will come and build it and then something else will happen to it. Yep. You know, so being creative in what that is will fully help you. So there are five points, right? And I would say, if you're thinking about these five points, fundamentally, you're making a massive difference in a particular space of life cycle of any material, which is how you're choosing it, when it's being built, how it's being used, and how it's being disassembled. That is your area of influence, right? Yeah, the disassembling, this, yeah, disassembling is always a thing is like, okay, um, I, 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 we are always designing for the long term. So I'm, it's not the best business model. If you look at an interior design office that the clients <laughs> are still happy after 10 years, 12 years, 15 years almost now with the first interior designs I've, I, I've created, they, they don't call me for a new one. They're still happy in it. So that that's great. So, but the, the, the deconstruction that part, I, I never take, took care of that. How, how can you, yeah, how can you redo it? If, if they want to make go for small changes, do we have to screw it or do we have to rip it off the wall and it, it demolish it because it's glued? I, yeah, glue it or screw it. It's a really cool one. Yeah. Yeah. And so these are the things that you, all interior designers can mandate. Yeah. You can influence this. So I'm only talking about areas that you can influence. You cannot tell a manufacturer how to make a material. You cannot tell no. a politician or a, a local authority how to deal with waste. You cannot convince a client to become, you know, carbon neutral. You cannot convince them of any of those things. But this is something that you can do and you can encourage them to think about that because it's exciting, it's engaging, it's creative, and it's fundamentally sustainable. Well, right. we all we 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 are writing the the whole description, the whole handbook. We have a, a, a complete handbook with all the the shopping list, the products, and all the all the details. But you can add the section with how to how to do the 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 how do you say it the montage the 
how to put it how to add it to the wall or how to how to fix it how to yeah put it together how you, you can together. add it how, yeah. how do how do you assemble something how do you assemble and, yeah. and i've said again think screws i've even given you some hints think screws things think clips things binding think think how how knitting works how embroidery works how thread can you know how you can use certain systems right to put things together and and tie them together there's many many new products coming into the market now structurally to tie things up use those and encourage those and celebrate them maybe even showcase them in some way right which then starts to create a mindset of like yeah we don't need to just glue everything together and not worry about it you know be particular about it um yeah. and 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 i think that is part of the job it is part of the joy of being a designer of course clients might say this is too much it's too expensive da 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 fine but at least you've engaged with it you have uh you know considered it conceptually and fundamentally and from there all great things happen right yeah you made them all you made them aware thinking yeah. stems from these types of things right and it's not about a knee jerk of like just doing one thing you know Oh, let's let's actually procure everything locally. You, you may not get everything locally, and also sometimes no. local materials are extremely polluting, and extremely unhealthy. Right? And, and and you cannot weigh these things out that easily. Of course, we built First Planet for that, but it's it's challenging to take that com- complexity into consideration when you're designing. But these are the things that you can do, right? Yeah, and, of course, uh, this is like fundamentals. You start with that. And you know, make it part of your discussion. We we had a we had a we were advising a a, a carpet, uh, and the carpet was really it, it was a re- completely recycled. And the thing is, if you want to reuse the carpet, if they don't like it anymore, they don't have to uh, they don't need to bring it to the to a normal landfill or put it in a bin. When it's a really good project, why it has all those certificates? Because it said we can reuse it, but they they need to know where to bring it, and that was that's another problem. That's a that's a another level how to educate your clients, and really an, another thing to add in your in your handbook or manual, however, uh, whatever you call it, as an as an advisor, as an interior designer. Add a subscription if you want to get rid of those this carpet. You need to bring it over there, so they can fully reuse it. Otherwise, it's the the, the circularity is gone, and then it's well, it's more more greenwashing or kind of marketing thing. You're a marketing trick you're doing. Yeah, so how- no, absolutely. I think, yeah. I, and and you've touched upon something that that we're working very hard at to simplify for people, right? Uh, at First Planet, so. So I would say the basics, if you've covered the basics, then you can go into the details, right? You can say, okay, we have conceptually considered this, right? That's what we're doing. Fundamentally, we will design for disassembly. We will reuse X amount of things. Let's make that part of the concept. And, or at least try and introduce it somewhere in a small way in every project we do, right? Or we could do, say, if you're doing 10 projects, one project will be you know, we will really push for this in five projects where we see the client a little bit interested, yep. we run it in, right? That's where we go in. So do little and more like, often. Yeah. 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 You yeah. can go in or you can just say little and often, little and often. We just slowly change the way we do stuff, right? So I think the next thing is understanding what a material is and what a material isn't. It's a very complicated space, right? Yes. So again, I've been in this space in this in this kind of thinking for a very long time um <clears throat> there's no perfect material there's no perfect product again it's the right product for the right job in the right place for the right situation how do you figure that out and that's been my main question with first planet and we've yep. tried to solve that that question for people so again going back to the point like fundamentally every decision every paint we choose every carpet we choose every wallpaper we choose impacts at many scales automatically. So what yeah, I always done... I, I I describe this this kind of sustainability topic right? like I always said I wish there was a kind of product passport that I knew where it was coming from and that somebody was measuring it. I, I don't I don't know how to measure it. You you just get you, you see some kind of marketing that, that is durable and green and sustainability been I don't. I don't know if it, is it really true. Are they honest to me? When, when is it really green? How do we need to use it? Or yeah. So 
Well, you have you have a solution for that, so I yes, would, would so, love to so dive into your uh, yeah. Yes, yeah, so we've been I've been working at it for many many years. I would say parts of what you see in First Planet now. Um, I started working on it maybe fifteen years ago, and it's been iteration and iteration and iteration. Again, you know, as I said, I was a designer. I was uh, you know European head of sustainability for a very big design firm called Gensler, primarily interior design firm. And there were lots and lots of designers there. And we were always thinking, like, how can we improve, you know, what, how we're talking to clients, what we're choosing fast, because everything is fast, right? Yes. There's time to explore and study each thing in detail. We're not material scientists, you know. But because I was doing studies on sustainability with various universities and writing papers, so a researcher as well as a designer, you know, I wore many hats and I could see these things where there's bits of knowledge floating around and uh, it needed to be assimilated and synthesized and simplified and information standardized to stop greenwashing. Again, these things like, I don't know whether it's green or it's not green. Is it good? Is it good? Is it bad? So what we've done with First Planet is to make it super easy. And as you say, Mark, we've created this sort of food nutrition label for every product and material that at the moment we have about 1500 to 2000 listed so we're still in beta so it's a very very new tool and i would love for all of you to try it but we have created a methodology for synthesizing and simplifying this complexity that exists like i mentioned earlier you don't know if a locally made product is healthy or toxic or durable or versatile or low carbon right no. there's sometimes there's certain properties in certain materials and other properties in other materials now, as a designer, what you need to know is you have certain parameters. Like I want, for example, you've decided we're building a pyramid. I want a durable material, right? That is also versatile, which means that I can use it in many parts of a building. But I want it to be low carbon, right? Because I am conscious and I want it to be locally made. Now, you cannot find products based on these parameters because the information around these definitions wasn't standardized. So what me and my research team have been working on is to standardize this information. So what does durability mean? At what point can yes. you call something durable? What does low carbon mean? At what point can you call something low carbon? So we have curated about 21 param impact parameters on every product. So like food nutrition label, right? You pick up a label and you see sugar, carb, protein, whatever, whatever. Yep. We have simplified in a, in a one place what each material is, right? And very easily, whether or not it has a certain property for quick, quick exploration, right? So you don't have to see the number. If you read 7 kg CO2E, you may or may not understand, is it low? Is it high? I don't know. You know, yeah. if it's one product is saying it's durable at like five years, another product is saying it has a warranty of 20 years. Okay, which one is more durable, right? Like, yeah, it's, like, it's, like, it's like with food. Whether it has no sugar doesn't mean it's healthy. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. right? There, there's, yeah. there's all these. And also fundamentally, it, there is a distribution. So you need to know what those numbers mean. So we've translated what those numbers mean, standardized it, published it. And it's, a, it's an open source, semi-open source library for everyone to use and tap into. You can see qualitatively what it means. We also have yep. a numerical value, the data on the back end. So the really technically minded people want to see that. So we give them access. <laughs> but yep. normally, most people are like, all right, we just want to know whether it's this. It's enough complexity to deal with. So we have a food nutrition label for every material and product. And, and what we are planning to do is also include things like, you know, solar panels, appliances, fittings, because it's water usage, electricity usage, et cetera. Now, there's different parameters to consider. But essentially what we have combined is this. In one label, we have combined parameters that impact the environment, impact society, impact our health, and impact money. And again, going back to... Whether or not we want it, we are creating an impact, right, in these areas. Every time we choose a material, it has an impact in all these areas. So we've created an impact index after the food nutrition label. And the impact index tells you, gives you a score of its impact, positive impact on the environment, society, health, and money. So you can quickly see, okay, in this project, our agenda is health. You yep. can drive your searches through an overarching health agenda, whether or not you're going in for a certification, whether or not you have any mandates. You can say, 
this product's health score is higher than that means this is a healthier product. You can see sometimes that healthier product will also score really well in the environmental area, will also score really well in the money area, will also have a positive impact in society because they're, of course, interlinked. What is good in one area is good in the other. But sometimes you will see they're not. Sometimes mm-hmm. the focus has been heavily in manufacturing, say, reducing carbon, but it still has high toxicity, right? Yeah. So so essentially, because these are the four primary parameters, we have created that index. Now, that becomes a super easy thing to now go in and delve into. And on the back of that, there's a huge amount of research. Like, yeah, I, I, I wasn't, I, I wasn't, uh, I, I logged in. And I was surprised on how precisely you uh, you could you could determine if it's a healthy product or a sustainable product or not. Um, I really was. You, you see all these brands of kind of paints. Hey, you never know. You have you have you can you can see all these trendy paint brands. You have no clue if it's healthy or not. And you have a really well. You are yeah. you, you told me you are asking them really questions. Yeah, if people have any doubts about the about the brand or the product. You add it to the library, and you your and your team are doing research, and you are asking for the for all the specifications, and you need to prove to you if it's true or not. Yes, absolutely. So, so there's many materials libraries out there, right? So you'll find yeah. many materials libraries that focus on different things. For us, it's we haven't built just a materials library. We've built a whole planner around that, right? Yeah. Because what we know is to to become greener, to meet green targets, right? Especially for for any business or any organization, you need to prove at some point you've done some green, right? So you can also help your clients celebrate that. So what what we are what we're doing is we are actually, you know, sort of helping recommend certain products based on certain questions on the project. So you can plan a whole project, right? So for example, if you enter a few bits of detail, where the project is, what type of project you're doing, what the project's goals are, we can then start to recommend, okay, based on these parameters, try and think of these strategies, right? For example, if you're working on an interior kitchen remodeling, you don't need to think about solar panels unless the kitchen is a new extension at the back with a roof. Right. You yeah, yeah. you need to think about certain things within the kitchen that you can do. And because we're working so fundamentally at the level of each product, we have unpacked its properties and modeled it at the at the micro decision level. We can then basically connect our algorithms back to those big strategies. So, for example, reducing waste. We would link you to products that have an end of life plan. Like you were saying, is there a take back scheme? We will link you to things that are designed for disassembly, whether it's appliances, fixtures, fittings, things that you will buy. We will link you to things that are versatile, which means they have a high potential of reusability. We might link you to things that are durable, again, high potential for, for, but we will not link you necessarily to things that have recycled content, which is great as a pre-existing property but it's not a potential to reduce waste at the end of its life, right? It's It still depends on what you do with it. It still needs to be versatile. It still needs to be designed for disassembly. So, yeah. so, what, so that planning then, you know, it's a very easy process. And you can also put in cost, you know, the tables where you can just, very, it's a very, very easy to use tool. You can also co-create, you can invite your clients, you can invite your cost consultant. And it's a multiplayer environment, which basically means that it's not one person's job. Yep. You have to get buy-in from many people yep. to, to get this thing through, whether it's your contractor, you need to understand costs, you need your client's involvement. And ultimately, also, we deliver analytics, right? So real numbers on what has been done good on this project. Yeah, so that, that's, so great, that's so great about it. There, there is proof of there what you're proof. doing, not, not a kind of ideas or dreaming about sustainability. or It's, it's literally... it's. It's what you are doing, you can measure it. You you find what you're doing, you can measure it in whatever way you can celebrate those small decisions. Yeah. Right? Those small, better decisions. And we also pre-model some impact compared to base cases. So for example, if you're picking on alternative paint, right? You can do simple searches like I want to find a locally made, low carbon, low toxic, fire-rated paint, right? And you can find it because we have performance criteria 
in the yeah. same mix as environmental or health criteria. Because we everything that we had to worry about in the past, all that has not gone away, right? We still have to make buildings <clears throat> that'll remain standing. They, you know, they have to meet code. You know, you still have to do those things. Yeah, so because the maintenance, that, yeah, the maintenance is really important as well. Right? You told me, uh, you told me in the first meeting, most of the buildings right now, huh, or, or in 2050, already exist. Yeah, most 80% of the, of the buildings that yeah. exist today yeah. will exist in 2050. Amazing. Right? Yeah. So if you think about it, only 20% of the buildings will be new. And after the project is built, And this yep. is more about, you know, I would say base bill architecture or, or full architecture. The, the, the running and maintenance of that building and the churn in the interiors along the life cycle of that building is yep. way more than the upfront, uh, yep. you know, sort of the impact. So the interiors actually is like a huge part of the embodied impact of any project. And of course, interiors also influences operational impact, all your appliances, your light fittings, all the systems yeah. and all the things that you do are all running. I mean, there's a, there's a thing that I used to laugh about many years ago. People used to say, oh my God, this is a, you know, energy intensive building. Da, da, da. I said like, no, actually buildings don't use energy. People do, <laughs> right? It's not the building is using it. It's human behavior. It's our activity. It's our choices. That's what is creating the energy crisis. Yeah, or don't blame the building. The it's not <laughs> yeah. the building that's doing it, right? Yeah. So actually what you do in the interiors, of course, besides your big, you know, if it's a big, big building, you'll have, you know, your air handling units and all of that, you know, systems like building systems. But ultimately the power and the sensors and the devices and the appliances are all in the interior space. Yeah, it's really complex, but you you managed to make it really easy, and I'm glad that you like to to solve the this this thing because you need a lot of passion for it to 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 solve this because there's so many factors are involved, so many parameters, and you managed to create a team to unite all these people from from designers to constructions and buildings and. I think, uh, well, you, you know, you told me you're just you're just starting. It feels like that, and it needs to to grow and grow. So, um, well, you have a you have a, a cool gift uh, for uh, the people who are listening right now to the podcast. Is it? Yeah. Well, I was thinking, you know, when Mark said, "Well, we'll be speaking to interior designers," I would love to offer you all like a free free project on First Planet, which means some of the features, if you go in, are locked. So we'll unlock those features. So if you want access to that, just let me know, send me a note, and uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. And I would really like for you guys to test something out, to try yeah. out some things at high level that I've shared. Of course, you know, those five points that I've said, they're not they're not part of First Planet. That's just something that for you guys to figure But once you're looking for specific materials and products and their properties, you could go to First Planet and explore that. But I would love to hear your feedback and try it out and give us notes. We're in beta right now. So we will be releasing our tool in about a month, month and a half time. We've been building for more than three years. So this is not like a quick project. And of course, with the research from over, you know, 10, 12 years yep. put into it. Um, and we've been working with, quite a lot of big organizations, but we really, really think this tool will help interior designers, independent designers, uh, property owners, engaging with them, helping them participate. The little and often jobs will really benefit from this because generally there aren't any sustainability consultant on these teams. Uh, there's a lot of time pressure. There's a little bit of money. You know, all of those constraints are there. But it doesn't actually decrease the amount of influencing power that these projects have. So it's yeah. really about helping everyone, you know, do whatever they can do and celebrate that thing and share it with their clients, share it with their teams, talk about it, you know, put something up in your own websites and say, yeah, we're doing something about it because we can. Yeah, we uh, we will pre prepare a link uh, uh, for the easy uh, login and to contact you, uh, Ankita. That will be uh, uh, instituteofvitaryimpact.com slash Ankita. That will be a little live today after the live show. And uh, we put the information there to contact you and uh, to get a free uh, login. And I would, yeah, well, if, you, if you're not, if you don't have a project or you don't want to start an all-project online over there, 
please have a look and see what's going on over there. It makes you aware of a lot of things. So do the, do the research, test, test it out, see what's see what's going on over there because it makes you yeah makes you really aware of the power you have as a as a designer. And even after this uh, the podcast, yeah. So what's what's we have a kind of well the first thing to start with this because it's still it's a big big huge story. You know we know we have to act on it because otherwise we're going in the wrong direction with this planet, but. What's the first thing you, how can we start if we are designing after this podcast of even listening? Well, uh, during this podcast and you are designing, how do you? Well, I would say, you know, listening to Mark's, uh, you know, podcasts, I think they're very inspiring and staying connected with each other and and continuing to think and, and continuing to ask, you know, I think. One of the things that I've learned through my research over the many years, it's not so important to have the answer, but it's most important to have a really good question to ask, you know, That's it. Yeah. and, and, and I would say by asking questions of yourself and of your clients, you know, that is really the, the most important starting point is just asking how about this? You know, what are we doing here? Why don't we do it in this way? And it's in it's an invitation uh, that that helps people come together and participate in a solution that ultimately delivers positive impact in many areas. And the thing is that designers are intrinsically good at synthesizing complexity and working with pre-existing conditions. Right? This is it's an astoundingly powerful. I mean, I'm saying that I've, as some of the most creative and some of the most progressive people that I've I've met, you know, who can really take in lots of complexity and create something that's unknown. Actually, it's quite hard for a lot of people. You know, now that I'm not primarily in the interior designer design field, I see that outside, how challenging it is for a lot of people to do what I think comes naturally to designers. So I think that puts, I think, all of you in a in a very serious driving you know, power and never underestimate the power of just one or two questions. Yeah, great. Yeah, there are so many takeaways uh, in what you've told us uh, today, Ankita. It's it's actually not about saving the planet because the planet will continue with it or without us. That's right. That's absolutely <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, it's all about people inspiring other people to make the best, most informed choices they can yeah? design to design the, the healthiest way they can. And to enjoy this beautiful planet and uh, everything it has to offer. So uh, thank you, Ankita. Um, I feel so grateful to be able to uh, make your voice louder, to share your message with our global uh, Beyond the Terror Design community. You thank you for that. giving us uh, you know, the chance to talk to everyone. I'm very excited to hear from everyone here as well. And yeah, you have an amazing uh, platform. And it's really great to see interior designers coming together. It's generally not a group of people that tends to stick together. Like there was actually no. a, a firm I was talking to, um, a startup that's trying to build a um, a tool for interior designers. I was like, where do you find them? They never congregate. <laughs> you know, <laughs> So it's really great to see that you're able to pull people together in this space because it's so important. Yeah, great. Yeah, the last, just to know, because... On the, on the 10th of December last year, we were on uh, 170,000 people were joining our LinkedIn group. And uh, yesterday we reached uh, 174,000. So in, in 50 days, 4,000 new members are joining wow. the Beyond the Terror Design group. So there is something going on here. I get Absolutely. goosebumps from that. And uh, I stand up really happy every day when I see this, this group growing almost with hundreds of hundred people a day. Amazing. That's so off, Mark. That's there is really a, great work. Yeah, there is good hope for the for the for for what we are doing, how we are thinking, how we are designing. People are, are really craving for it these days. These days to to do whatever they can do. They, they know that we have the power to design our world as as the creators of beautiful things. Yeah? And we owe it to ourselves and the rest of the world to do the right thing. We have, we have this we have this power. We know it, and you you just showed us. We have this power with this one line we are drawing on a piece of paper. So, yeah, you're yeah, doing it. A... And, and on top of that, I think designers can make anything look beautiful. The, po the point is, the question is, why is this beautiful, right? 
And I think that the definition of that is also shifting very rapidly. Something is beautiful because you can do, you know, it it, it has, like you say a lot, Mark, meaning, purpose, also impact, you know, what 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 can it do beyond what it's doing? You know? What what does it do beyond its 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 primary function? It's got a it's got way more functions. It's got way more influences. Again, looking, you know, at small decisions impacting the big scale very quickly and 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 cross connecting. I think that's so important, and that's kind of I think where everybody I feel is intuitively probably feeling that in some way, you know, wanting to do it in some way. That's the direction for design in a way. But again, there need to be enough tools, enough support so that those bespoke solutions can be made. And so what we're trying to do is just help everyone make those bespoke solutions and celebrate the benefits for it. Because we can't scale, we can never automate design in that way. It has to be bespoke. It is contextualized. And it's not something that's one size fits all at all. Again, that's not sustainability. Right. Mm-hmm. It is the mindfulness. So the tools need to support that selection and decision making rather than make the decisions for people. Yeah. And you developed the how. So uh, thanks for that. You're doing an amazing job and you have a plan and you are creating real impact uh, to unite everybody. Thanks again, Akita. Hey, thanks for listening. Before you go, Only 32% of the listeners follow this podcast. So if you like this Beyond the Terror Design podcast, don't forget to press the follow button in your app. This way you won't miss a thing. And this way you'll also help us to get a higher ranking so we can inspire even more creatives. So please take a moment to click that follow button. And if you want to discover more about how to take your interior design studio to the next level, go to beyondtheterrordesign.club. I repeat, beyondtheterrordesign.club. That's club. We can help you with free video series, masterclasses, advanced training programs, or get mentored by me and my team so your interior design studio is set up for great success. You no longer have to do it all by yourself. We're in your corner. So start here, beyondtheterrordesign.club. See you there. This podcast is an initiative of the Institute of Ontario Impact.